world does is that it's, we believe, they believe the Bible is, God's word is our hope. Christ is our hope. And so they're taking them to God's word to find relief in, in the season of life that they are in. And so if God has gifted you financially, uh, I would encourage you to consider even giving some kind of gift to him and uh, make sure you grab some of that information back there. And if you can be at that dinner, uh, fantastic. But Dave, thank you for doing what you do. I, I, when, we, when I was at Gospel City on staff there, I helped start a, a, a counseling ministry. And it's hard work. It's exhausting work. But it's God-glorifying work. And it's awesome when you see people's lives changed. Well, now let me invite you to open your Bible to uh, 1 Peter chapter 1. Last week we began our study of the book of 1 Peter, and as I mentioned, uh, it is a book written to multiple churches throughout the region, what is now modern-day Turkey. And the reason for Paul writing this letter was to encourage the believers that, that they were facing hard times, they were facing persecution, simply because of the fact that they were believers in Christ. And for some of them, they were surprised at the persecution they were facing. And so Peter wanted to provide some encouragement for them. And part of the process was preparing them to expect opposition. Don't be surprised by this. Jesus himself warned believers that suffering was a part of being a Christian. And, and sometimes that is half the struggle, isn't it, of just knowing it's coming your way. And one of the words that he gave to the people in, in describing them was like exiles. They were exiles. They, it, they weren't at their home. The same is true for us. We are exiles. America is not our forever home. There should be a certain sense of uncomfortability for believers that we walk around and we see the principalities and the, and the leaders of our world and we realize Man, we don't belong here. We are exiles. And, and we need to understand that because of that, that's all the more reason why we would suffer. Because we, we go against the things of this world. Well, this morning, we've got a beautiful, hope-filled passage to look at. And Peter will lay the foundation of their identity in Christ. And this identity will often would serve them as a catalyst to their faith, and it will serve us as we live in this hostile environment. How do you stay strong during trials? Remember who your God is and what he has done for us. The title of the message this morning is Behold Our Merciful God. We serve a merciful God, don't we? He is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. Here's the big idea I have for us today. God's mercy was displayed in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, resulting in God's people being born again. Jesus simply going to the cross alone would not have been enough. If he would have stayed in the grave, it would have proved... That the, what the Jewish leaders thought that he was not truly God. But the reality of his resurrection results in God's people being born again. And so what we will see in our passage today is that God has shown his people 
incredible mercy. He's brought us salvation that was secured in the resurrection of Christ. And the, this new life comes with a couple things. We sang about it this morning. A living hope and an eternal, secure inheritance. So let's jump into the passage this morning. Follow along with me in 1 Peter 1, starting in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuine of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much, first of all, just for Dave and NBCC and the work that he and, the, and his crew is doing. Lord, thank you for the lives that are being changed because of the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Father, I thank you this morning for your word that reminds us of our great hope, our living hope, our eternal dwelling place that you are preparing for us that can never be taken away from us. God, I, I pray that you would open our eyes, I pray that you would open our hearts, that we would be amazed once again, freshly anew, of your incredible mercy. Lord, as we think about what we deserve and yet what you have given us, oh Lord, I pray that it would overflow in praise. I pray that it would prepare us for whatever we face this week, for whatever we face in the coming days, the coming weeks, months, years. Lord, that, that we would stand strong in our identity in you. That we would remember our living hope. Father, we need you this morning. As we live in a, in, in a hostile world, I pray that you would prepare us for whatever this world will bring us, knowing that we have everything we need in Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. First of all, in verse 3, we see the word, Blessed, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed means to be praised, worthy of commendation. And this particular form of the Greek word here is only used by New Testament writers as it refers to God. This is a unique phrase for God. May God be praised. This is not used for mankind in this, with this word. Peter is calling for God alone to be praised. Notice there, there's a reason for God to be praised. It's according to his great mercy. Not just mercy. This is great mercy. This is beyond anything we could hope for. This is a massive 
thing for us. And you see, God doesn't just demand respect and praise because of his title. So many world leaders that demand respect simply because of the title that they've been given and has nothing to do with what kind of leader there are. God is worthy of praise because of his great mercy. Not just because he is God. Praise God that he is merciful. And so for the rest of our time this morning, I want to lay out three reasons to praise God. Three reasons that we see here to praise God. Here's the first thing. Praise God for his mercy in our salvation. Praise God for his mercy in our salvation. Look at verse 3 again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Our God is merciful. If you've been around here long enough, you've, you've heard us talk about this, but here's a, a simple definition of mercy. Mercy is when we don't get what we deserve. Mercy is received when something bad is deserved and someone steps in and prevents that from happening. We were all born into sin. We were separated from Christ from birth. We were dead in our trespasses and sin. Our destination was hell. And eternal punishment was deserved. And this is why we need to be born again. And so God sent his only son, Jesus, to live the perfect life that we could not live. And then he died the death that we deserve so that we may be made right with the Father. And so let, let's just talk a little bit about our salvation here. Here's a few things I want you to, to write down in concerning our salvation. The first thing is this. Our salvation was purchased by Christ. Our salvation was purchased by Christ. The text here says that God caused us to be born again. Obviously, we all know physically we're born. When we come out of our mother's womb, we're born. We're living physically. We have breath in our lungs. But spiritually, we're born dead. We're born with no heart for God. We're, we're born enemies to God. We need to be re Born, and this is why Jesus came into the world and lived a perfect life and died the death that we deserve. But listen, if he would have stayed in the grave, that would not have been enough. But because Jesus resurrected from the grave, it proved that he was everything that he says he was. It's his resurrection that shows ultimately God's mercy in providing a way for us to be made right because apart from from God intervening, we would never have any hope. We would never have salvation. It's by grace you have been saved through faith. Not by works so that no man could boast. You see, our salvation was purchased by Christ. No amount of good works could ever allow us to be made right with God. You see, as soon as one sin is committed, we are doomed to hell forever without any hope of ever catching up. Our salvation was purchased by Christ. 
Notice we have been born again to something. Here's the next thing about salvation. Our salvation gives us a living hope. We sang about that. Brothers and sisters, we have something amazing to look forward to. An eternity and glory with our Savior forever. Jesus is living. You, all these other religious leaders that are mentioned, you go to their grave and guess what's there? Their remains. The tomb of Jesus is empty because Jesus rose bodily from the grave. He is living. He is alive. He is preparing a place for us. And as believers, we never have to face eternal suffering in hell. Notice, hope is not something wishful, like what a child would hope he gets on Christmas. This is a sure hope. Something we look forward to expecting it to happen. It is going to happen. I mean, think about how helpful this is to live in the world that they were living in, facing this persecution because of their faith in Christ. And Peter is reminding them, you have a living hope. Don't worry about the, the man who can take your body. Remember the one who is securing your soul. He is your living hope. How helpful is that in the midst of our suffering, that we have a living hope? I, I love what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory. Beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Listen, when we hold fast to our living hope, then we, like Paul, can look at our afflictions and our suffering and consider them nothing compared to the eternal weight of glory that awaits us. We have a living hope. Here's the last thing when it comes to our salvation. Our salvation gives us an eternal inheritance. Our salvation gives us an eternal inheritance. This is what it says here is our, our salvation is secure. It's imperishable. It doesn't wear down. It won't break down. It's, it's undefiled. It's, it's pure and untainted by the things of this world. It makes me think of like, it's not like, like Cedar Point. Like, I love Cedar Point. And there's a sense where that's a gift. Oh, I get to go to Cedar Point. Oh, great. It's 90 degrees out with no wind. And I'm standing in line for two hours waiting for a 30-second ride. Like, there's a sense of anticipation and joy in going to Cedar Point. That's, this is not what, what heaven is like. This is not our eternal glory that awaits us. This is undefiled. It's pure. It's untainted by the things of this world. Our salvation is, un is unfading. Our inheritance, our, our salvation won't disappear on us. Even when we have bad days. Listen, we're all going to have days where our sin is raging, our flesh is ruling. But even in those moments, our God sustains us. Our, no one can snatch us out of our Father's hand, even ourselves. We can't jump out of the Father's hands once we've genuinely been put in his hands. That's the good news for us. Our salvation is eternal. It will last forever. It is 
guarantee. You can't lose it. And listen, I know some people in the world who think you can lose your salvation. What a horrible way to live. How, how do you ever know if you, if you can lose it? How would you ever know when you've lost it? I just yelled at the guy who cut me off driving. Did I just lose my salvation? I mean, I lost my temper with my kids. There it goes. Or did it go? Hey, I, did, I had a negative thought that I didn't even realize. Oh, no, do I need to get saved again? No, no. Once, once God rescues us truly, once we truly repent of our sin and place our faith, he secures us. Our eternal security is sure in Christ. When Christ rose again from the, when he rose from the grave, he proved once and for all that he is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the Messiah who takes away the sins of the world. And it's because of his resurrection that we find salvation in him. This is a worthy thing to praise God for, amen? Praise God for his mercy in our salvation. Look at verse 5. Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last thing. Here's the second thing that we praise God for. Praise God for his mercy in sustaining us. Praise God in his mercy for sustaining us. Verse 6 says this, and this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Praise God for his mercy in sustaining us. This is the incredible news that we see here. God doesn't just grant us salvation and then you're on your own. Good luck. Don't screw it up. He goes with us. He doesn't leave us to our own devices. And at salvation, he grants us faith by his power, it says. And because of this faith, he guards us and he sustains us day by day through the faith that he gives us at salvation. He is guarding us as we live our lives. Peter says something interesting here. A salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Now when it, when it comes to salvation, there is a future aspect in it. Now our, our current state is we have been saved from eternal punishment of sin. But, but it, I think we all understand that we still live in a fallen state. <laughs> Nobody's nailing it 100%. Nobody's even coming close to that. And so there's a sense that we have been saved. Our, our security in, in, in heaven is secured. Our, our eternal security is sure in Christ. But, but there is also this aspect of God continually saves us like he is saving us. And then there's this ultimate understanding that God ultimately will save us. When one day we will be done away with sin. We will be done away with this world and we'll no longer struggle, we'll no longer wrestle, we'll no longer toil. And once and for all, we will be rescued from the influence and sting of sin. Brothers and sisters, this is coming for us. But in the meantime, he gives us faith to carry us through. This is what's true for believers. There are moments where we get off track, right? 
It happens all the time for me. Often it's, it's not like, I, I don't go through like months and months and months with no faith. But there are moments, right? Like whenever we all sin to reign, faith is no longer ruling. But then the Holy Spirit reminds us of our hope in him. He convicts us. He encourages us. He points us back to Christ. Sometimes it hurts. But that's the faith that sustains us. Now, now here's where I, I, Hebrews defines faith very well. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So faith is holding fast to what is true. Faith is putting your weight behind what you believe. All of you this morning, you're, right now you're practicing faith. When you came in this morning, I didn't see a single person come and, and examine the chair. I didn't see anybody look under to make sure the bolts are loose or not. Nobody kind of gently sat down and shook a little bit to make sure it was secure. You had faith that the chair was going to hold you up. You were sure that when you sat down, you weren't going to fall over. This is the faith that God sustains us, that he gives us throughout life. Sure, our faith may feel rocky at times, but God always brings us back to him. He always draws us back to him. And there are times when doubt comes into play. And like Adam and Eve, we start listening to the devil. Did God really say that? Is God really good? And so Peter is reminding the people of the gift of faith given to them through the power of God to finish the salvation that he started. Now listen, I think we can hurt or help ourselves in faith. Our faith doesn't grow when we're lazy. Our faith doesn't grow when we're sitting at home, spending time watching movies and TV all the time, playing video games, and neglecting the very hope that he's given us in his word. Faith's not going to grow in us when we fail to pursue the Lord. But the more that we pursue him, the more we hide God's word in our heart. The scriptures say, I've hidden your word in, our, in my heart that what? I might not sin against you. Our faith grows as we dive in and trust God at his word. We believe that what he says is true. So Peter is reminding them of their faith. Our journey in life if necessary as well, will lead us to time of facing trials. Trials are refiners of our faith, aren't they? God allows us to struggle at times or have suffering so that our faith grows. Look at verse 6 again. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Trials test the genuineness of our faith. And listen, if our faith holds strong to the end, then we are truly saved. But listen, if we lose faith along the way, if we neglect God, if we reject him altogether, if we deconstruct, 
in the end, what was really true is that we never had faith to begin with. You don't have faith genuinely and then no longer have it. God said in his word that he who began a good work will bring it to completion. The spirit of the living God, when he indwells the believer, he will bring the believer to glory. He will sustain our faith. And listen, don't be so quick to wish away your trials. Let me encourage you to instead ask God to strengthen your faith during those seasons. Hands down, for me, the greatest growth I have experienced in my faith is during seasons of suffering. In those times, I have been made strong to where I could really say faith tested by fire is more precious than gold. I'll take my faith over anything that money can buy. And Peter says that genuine faith is far more precious than gold. Money can't buy you faith. People will still hurt you. Money can't take your sins away. Money can't heal you. One day everyone will die. Give me the faith that sustains me when my dad calls me and tells me that my brother has passed away. Which happened 11 years ago, 12 years ago. Give me the faith that sustains me when the nurse reveals to us that we've had our second miscarriage in a row. Faith far outweighs gold. Faith sustains my soul in the midst of the challenging seasons I face. And listen, here's the outcome of our tested faith. It will result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What exactly does that mean? Like, who gets the praise? Who gets the glory? I think that there's a certain degree where it's sort of both. Where we get the well done, good and faithful servants. But here's what I also believe of that. Once we face Jesus in glory, we're not going to, we're going to realize we don't deserve anything. Any crowns that we may receive, we're going to cast them down to the one who deserves at the feet of Christ. He is the one worthy. He's the one granted me my faith. And so if it's well done, good and faithful servant, it's because of the spirit of God who has led me to that place. Our faith will result in the praise and glory and honor of Jesus Christ. Ultimately, brothers and sisters, God is our sustainer. Praise God for his mercy in sustaining us. Look at verse 8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So whenever we read about salvation and being born again, it's always good to ask ourselves, have I been born again? And how do I know if I've been born again? Just because you said a prayer when you were eight years old doesn't necessarily mean that you have found faith in Christ. It doesn't mean that he has rescued you and you have become one of his children. So let's just talk about true salvation 
in these last few things here. First of all, this, we see this. True salvation results in loving God. True salvation results in loving God. That's what verse 8 says. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Being born again results in having affections for God. When you sing of Christ's sacrifice, your soul is stirred. Listen, this doesn't mean that we don't have seasons where we struggle. This doesn't mean we have seasons where we never question God. But ultimately, you come back to the fact that you understand his ways are not your ways. His thoughts are not your thoughts, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. And you trust him in that. You know that God is working everything for your good. And this love is there even though you've never seen him. That's faith, right? Faith is the evidence of things not seen. We don't see God. We don't physically walk with him, yet we love him. This is because he's changed us and drawn us to himself. He's given us his spirit. We can't help but love God. So let me ask you this morning, do you love him? Is your soul stirred with all that he has done for you? But listen, love is not just emotions. It's expressed in action. Any DC Talk fans in here? Anybody? Love is a, love is a, love is a, oh, you're not DC Talk fans. Love is a verb. I'm disappointed. Go home and listen to that. <laughs> love is a verb. 1 John 5, 3 says, for this is the love of God that what? We keep his commandments. We're doing actions. We're expressing our love by following his ways. And listen, his commandments to us when we truly love God, they're not burdensome. You know you love God when you keep his commands. You know you love God when you don't just obey begrudgingly with a bad attitude. You don't just serve the Lord with annoyance. A regular pattern for you is that you don't view keeping God's commandments as a burden. You see it as good for you. He's protecting you. His rules aren't keeping you for fun. His rules are keeping you from killing yourself. Whether it be physically or emotionally, mentally, God's word is there for our good. Do you love God? Are you keeping his commands? And do you view his commands as good and not burdensome for you? True salvation results in loving God. Look at the second part of verse 8, though. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. True salvation results in joy. True salvation results in joy. I'm, I'm convicted by this and also convinced that it's true. Christians should be the most joyful person, people in the world. Think about it. If we truly understand what we were, dead, lost, no spiritual life, no hunger for God, and yet while we were still dead, Christ died for us and breathed new life into us. He rose from the grave and he brought us back to life. 
Oh, the joy that should fill our hearts. We were separated from God, and he made us right with him. And listen, in our lostness, I'm reminded of the song, Hallelujah, All I Have is Christ. I had no hope that you would own a rebel to your will, and if you had not loved me first, I would refuse you still. But by the mercies of God, he caused us to be born again to a living hope. Christian, that should bring you joy. Your life on a regular basis should be characterized by joy. So let me ask you, is that true for you? There's a particular Sunday that sticks out to me years ago. It was during a a season of, of suffering and hard things. And I, I remember on this Sunday, we were singing these words, familiar words, if you grew, grew up in the church. When through fiery trials thy pathway shall lie, my grace all sufficient shall be thy supply. The flame shall not hurt thee, I only design thy dross to consume and thy gold to refine. And that morning I burst into tears. Because God was, a, he, it was as if he was flashing through my mind all the suffering that I endured and all the growing that I had experienced through that. And I was, yes, Lord, it's through the fiery trials that you strengthened me. It was your desire for me to go through these trials so that I would see that you are good and you are all I need. And it resulted in this joy unspeakable, full of glory. What kind of crazy person rejoices when life is at its hardest? It's a Christian who has been born again and knows that his eternity is secure in Christ. So let me ask you, believe you, are you known for joy? Are you able to see God and rejoice in him despite the trials and tribulations you are going through? Doesn't mean, listen, joy doesn't always mean you got a smile on your face. Joy doesn't always mean that you're clapping when hard things happen. Yay! More suffering. That's, that's not what that's talking about. But there's this understanding that, God, I know you're with me. Oh, Lord, I know you're going to sustain me. James 1, I can consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that testing your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may become mature and complete, not lacking anything. Joy is not about being happy. Joy is about not allowing your circumstances to rule your heart, not being known for being somebody who just, it's like Eeyore who's just, all, the world is dark and you're, the glass is half empty. I don't care if you're a pessimist or not, like, th- there's no excuse for it. Like, we should be joyful believers because of what he has done for us. What would other people say about you? Would they say you're joyful? Ask your children. Ask your spouse. Ask your coworkers. And if you find yourself that you're more of a complainer than, than celebrating in joy, then take your eyes off yourself. Turn your gaze to the Savior who paid a price that you might be made right with the Father. Look at verse 9. We'll finish here. Obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of 
your souls. Here's the last thing about salvation. True salvation will result in the eternal rescue of our souls. Believer, a day is coming when Jesus will return and he will make all things new. One day he will come and he will wipe away your tears. One day cancer will be no more. Death will be forgotten. Poverty will no longer be an issue. Conflict will no longer exist. No more pain will be felt. Believer in Christ, believe it. Rejoice in it. And remember what the scripture says here. God's mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your great mercy. Despite the facts that the fact that our sins are many, your mercy is more. You don't just give us a little mercy, Lord. Your mercy is great. And so, Father, those this morning who came in heavy-hearted because of the things that they're going through in life, I pray that even in the midst of that suffering, they would find incredible joy in you because you are sustaining them, preparing them for the day of salvation if they have truly repented of their sin and placed their faith in you. A salvation that is undefiled, untainted, imperishable, stored in heaven, cannot be taken away. Lord, those of you, those of us who are in Christ are secure. God, remind us of that great hope, that living hope, that never-ending hope, that sure hope. May it sustain us during whatever may lie before us this week. Whatever we may experience in the coming months, years, even, Lord, if it may lead to us losing our lives because of our faith, keep us strong in you. Thank you for the faith that you have given us to sustain us. God, encourage us in that. Thank you for your great mercy. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me invite you to stand. We're going to sing about his mercy as we close out the service. Praise the Lord, His mercy is more, stronger than darkness, new every morning, our sins they are many, His mercy is more. of kindness he lavished on us. His blood was a payment, his life was a cost. We stood with a debt we could never avoid. And our sins, they are 
have a seat. Let me give you a few action steps that you can put into practice this week. First of all, let me encourage you to memorize 1 Peter 1, 3 to 5. His mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. I know that's a lot, but let that serve your soul this week as you hide it in your heart. And then just encourage you to keep, keep meditating on 1 Peter 1 as we continually make our way through. We're going to look at verses 10 through 12 next week. Let it saturate your soul. And then a question for you. Have you been born again? If so, is that seen in your love for God? Is that shown in the way that you are obeying his commandments of which you see as not burdensome? Listen, if you're looking at God as this killjoy, examine your heart in that, brother and sister. Examine your heart. Listen, it doesn't mean that there are not seasons where it's a struggle. But if it's a continual battle for you where it just feels like, why do I got to do this? Talk to somebody about that. There may be something, perhaps you've never truly placed your faith in Christ. And then lastly, remember God's mercy. Remember God's mercy this week. Remember God's mercy every day. Every day, listen, the temptation is to forget the gospel. And this is why we need to preach the gospel to ourselves every day. We don't have to carry our sins of yesterday into tomorrow. He's already paid for it. His great mercy has covered you. And his faith that he's granted to you will bring you to the end. Let me remind you a couple things. First of all, uh, see Dave Hills. If you have any questions about NBCC, you can grab those pamphlets uh, by the TV table, right, the table right in front of the TV out there. Grab those. And then also stick around for coffee and donuts. And even if you, are, you don't like those things, first of all, I'll pray for you. Um, <laughs> second of all, it's not just about coffee and donuts. We're not just like feeding you. This is an opportunity for us to find somebody you don't know. That's a challenge. If you are a member, I expect you to go to somebody you don't know, introduce yourself, say hello. Even if you feel like it's awkward, get over it, right? Uh, welcome others as Christ has welcomed you, okay? So uh, let's enjoy some donuts. Give us about 10 minutes and five, 10 minutes and we'll have those ready for you shortly. Have a great week.